Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, hello, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, what in the world is going on with Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, plus some very juicy coronation drama, a small personal petition regarding Daisy Edgar Jones and Andrew Garfield, And then Ed Sheeran wins his copyright case and it's wonderful because we love Ed Sheeran here at Shameless. Well, you do now. I I mean, this is a tangent in the (laughs) intro, but I wasn't always a stan. I think I'm becoming a stan. Yeah, and I'm happy to say it. Yeah, but first, Zara... How was your week? Look, I have been a slight hypocrite, but I know we've said this on the show a few times. I have to admit, not a big fan of movies. Did watch a 90-minute episode of something last night. (laughs) And did you cry? Oh, I cried. Annabelle knows what I'm talking about. A 90-minute episode? Yeah, I have been, well, I smashed the new Bridgerton spin-off called Queen Charlotte. (laughs) It is amazing. It is six episodes, but honestly, (laughs) they're pretty juicy apps. They're pretty fat episodes. Is the average episode an hour? Yeah, more than. You know what? I didn't even realise watching how long the episodes were. That yeah. is so lengthy. They Where are... did you find the time, my busy little girl? I'm actually not that busy, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> I smashed it. No, honestly, this is one of my recommendations for the week. It is so good. I don't even know where to start with this spinoff. Annabelle, where would you start? You loved it. Oh, I would say that I went in with very low expectations. I was like, nothing can beat season two of Bridgerton, but this tops it all. Yeah. I have questions that someone who's never watched. Firstly, I can't work out if it tops it or not. It's really up there. Okay. It's up there with Bridgerton. Sex scenes? Yes, heaps. Absolutely, oh, yes. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know if Shonda could make a Bridgerton <laughs> series and not really put the sex in there. It's got depth. I think it's got mm. more depth than the other Bridgerton series. And I think... For me, 
I was just really caught off guard with it. And I do wonder if it's because I had, like you, Annabelle, no expectations going in mm. and no one had told me what I am now telling all of our listeners. But I could not recommend it more if you haven't seen it around as much or if you have been sort of hesitating before diving in, do not hesitate. Dive in. It's interesting that they've done the spin-off before they've released season three of Bridgerton. Because yes. aren't they working on that as well? It's been yeah. a while. But also like Violet Bridgerton and Lady Danbury have pretty sizable roles in this. Oh, I'm in present day and in past day. So you've got sort of some of your favourite characters that you know, but also it goes back in time a bit. It is, sorry, I should have said from the top, it's about Queen Charlotte's youth and how she became the queen and how she was arranged to be married to the king. I'm obsessed. So I just need to free up a little seven hours. (laughs) Don't pretend you don't have it. (laughs) Now, the other quick thing I want to recommend before I move on, it's really small. It's a piece that Nick Cave, the singer, wrote about going to the coronation. It's a bit niche. (laughs) Have you guys read much of Nick Cave stuff? No, but my best friend is obsessed with Nick Cave. Yeah, I think once you get down a Nick Cave rabbit hole, it's very hard to get out. He is amazing. He is one of the better writers that I like reading. Really? Yeah, he is amazing. He's had a pretty tough life and he's written a lot about grief and things like that. He's an incredibly powerful writer and he writes on his website. Now, he was invited to go to the coronation and he had some fans of his who kicked up a bit of a stink about that and said, why are you going? And he wrote this piece. It's not very long and I want to read you some quotes about why I loved it because I think it captures very perfectly what it is to be in 2023 and not necessarily agree with things but still want to partake in them. Yeah. Here's what he said. I am not a monarchist, nor am I a royalist, nor am I an ardent Republican for that matter. What I am also not is so spectacularly incurious about the world and the way that it works, so ideologically (laughs) captured, so damn grouchy as to refuse an invitation to what will more than likely be the most important historical event in the UK of our age. Not just the most important, but the strangest, the weirdest. (laughs) I love that. And then he went on and he said, I hold an inexplicable emotional attachment to the royals. The strangeness of them, the deeply eccentric nature of the whole affair, that so perfectly reflects the unique weirdness of Britain itself. I'm just drawn to that kind of thing, the bizarre, the uncanny, the stupefyingly spectacular, the awe-inspiring. Wow, I love that. And I think I loved it so much is because it's probably how I feel about the royals and we'll get into this probably when we talk about the coronation more you know holding those two things at once in your brain to be like yes on the show before I've said I love the royals but I think when you're saying I love the royals I love the spectacle of the whole thing Mm. and I would not deny an invitation to the coronation while equally acknowledging that I'd vote for a republic. Yeah, it's like curiosity, right? Yeah. Like the too long didn't read version is saying, I want to be a curious human who goes to these type of things and experiences something that not many people experience in their life. Well, it is also history. Yeah. One quick thing. Sorry, I know I'm demanding a lot of airtime right now. I did want to compliment both of you. Oh. I wanted to kind of back up a recommendation that's become onto this show now three times. Oh, we'll take it. Anna Kendrick on Armchair Expert. Oh, yes. yes. Annabelle recommended it in our newsletter. Michelle recommended it on the show a couple of weeks later. I listened to it last night. It is amazing. Mm. So moving. They all get very emotional. I thought it's one of Dax Shepard's strongest interviews. You know my thoughts. <laughs> but Monica Padman slayed as always. Well, I like love Monica. It's, it's sometimes Dax's interviewing style that gets me. But amazing, amazing, amazing. Couldn't love it more. That is a two and a half hour interview. Where the, what the fuck did you do this week? Guys, did you do anything? Well, my partner's been uh, working a bit recently. <laughs> so I tend to have a bit of time. Zara's got time. I've got so much time at the moment. How are you? How's your week? What are you recommending? I'm good. I've got a 
recommendation that I'm a little more passionate about this week than last week. Perfect. Seven out of ten. This week is a ten out of ten. It is the first profile with Elizabeth Holmes since 2016. Now, if the name Elizabeth Holmes does not sound familiar to you, she is the face of one of the biggest, what would we call it, corporate scandals in American history? Yeah, one of the biggest frauds for sure. Yeah, she started a medical tech company that was essentially founded upon a lie. The technology did not exist. It was all founded on this idea that if you give them a drop of your blood, then they can diagnose you with a range of illnesses and test you for a range of things, which they could not by and large. And I found the story fascinating as did you Zara you watched the dropout yeah I watched the dropout and I listened to the podcast as well yeah the podcast is exceptional if you're looking for something to listen to this week but if you're looking for something to read the profile on Elizabeth by Amy Chozik in the New York Times is spectacular the title is Liz Holmes wants you to forget about Elizabeth it's all about Elizabeth Holmes's rebrand it also tackles the interesting little curveball that Liz Holmes's prison date or like her her date of going to jail kept getting pushed back because she kept having babies. Yeah. And I find that exploration really interesting. She's really rebranded as a mother and a very maternal figure. And I just find that PR move and lifestyle change, a very interesting thing to dissect. 100%. This piece is really interesting. I read it as well because it copped a lot of flack on Twitter. Did it? Yeah. Did you not see these? No. Why did it cop flack? Because people thought it was too sympathetic. Oh, nah, yeah. come on. People are layered. No, 100%. <laughs> that's why I found it so interesting. I didn't find it particularly annoying or controversial at all. I found it fascinating. If you go in knowing that it's a more sympathetic portrayal of her, then you might be kind of better off. But I also think people are layered and also con people are layered. It's an incredibly hard thing to grapple with. And for the journalist, Amy, she went in there probably expecting one version of Elizabeth Holmes, which was the version that we all know, mm. the woman with the deep voice in the black turtleneck. Red who, lipstick. Yes, yeah. exactly. And got a very different version and was quite discombobulated by that mm. and was also endeared to the new version. Mm. And it's like, I think I'd rather the journalist be honest, but some people had a real problem with that so why am I annoyed that people had a problem with it reading it I found it really impressive that Amy Chozik did say I think I'm being played but I can't help but be played she's so charismatic and endearing and isn't that the whole way that the woman built a multi-billion dollar company founded on a lie that's why I thought it was a really good piece because I think it really explored that nuance to be like this is how people are kind of sucked into the orbit anyway fascinating recommendation fascinating piece I really liked it as well by the way Rupi Murdoch invested in Elizabeth Holmes and wasn't too happy when he got conned. So no. I found that to be a funny little side yeah, story. Yeah, it was like over a well. hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh, Rupert, Rupert, Rupert. Anyway, we have to start where everybody knew we were going to start today. Let's chat about Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy because boy, oh boy, has oh. it been going on. <laughs> it has been going on, guys. The last time we spoke about Taylor Swift was two weeks ago when it felt like the entire Taylor Swift fan base was irate at Joe Alwyn for something that was a little bit obscure. You might remember his co-star in a production that he's currently working on featured him in an Instagram dump and people thought that him being featured in this Instagram carousel meant that he was cheating on Taylor or something was going on when he was with Taylor. 
Celebrities were unfollowing Joe Alwyn on mass. Ryan Reynolds, Gigi Hadid, and the Heim sisters all unfollowed Joe Alwyn after having lunch with Taylor Swift. And we were kind of trying to unpack what the hell was going on there. That was a very deliberate PR move from Taylor's team for everyone to be unfollowing in quick succession. Yeah, it felt very much like we were kind of meant to consider Joe the devil the villain in this scenario then things took quite a turn because around the time that last week's episode dropped uk tabloid the sun published the following report world exclusive taylor's <laughs> new love taylor swift in new romance with brit rock star maddie healy weeks after she split from boyfriend <laughs> now this was quite funny because this was popped for context and maybe to break a fourth or fifth wall or sixth wall here when we prep for these episodes we have a slack channel called like episode planning and we'll pop links in to talk about them to see whether we're going to talk about them on the show you said in that chat mish lol there's no way to which our scandal researcher eilish gilligan responded i will eat my hat if (laughs) now i actually don't have anything in writing in this chat let the audience know i was thinking all of these things i'm no better i am no better or worse than the rest of you and eilish and i dare i say are the office's biggest Swifties. Yes. I think mm. we're the hardcore Taylor Swift fans. So she and I were going back and forth in Slack being like, lol, the sun is so stupid. There's no way this is real. I think within maybe two or three hours, it dawned on Eilish and I and the rest of the team that this is legit. Yeah, because they, then I think Demois started talking about it. And I know Demois doesn't always have a track record of telling the truth all the time or having (laughs) the right information. I think it kind of confirmed to me that no people really are talking about this. Demois said that they had a trusted source who was saying that Taylor and Maddie Healy were together and that Jack Antonoff, Taylor's producer, very famously the ex of Leonard Dunham, now engaged to Margaret Colley. I don't know (laughs) how many more facts about Jack Antonoff you want. (laughs) Um, Had introduced them. Now, the juiciest bit, I think, is that Demois said the source was a fellow celeb yeah which i love that this is coming from a fellow celebrity i do trust demois when they're saying that i yes. this is coming from like a verified blue tick in the know well-connected celeb gg hadid just kidding <laughs> <laughs> and look it looks like the sun and demois are probably on the money because since they spoke about this last week since the sun report came out and demois started sending leaks out on their instagram page and in their podcast everything maddie healy and taylor swift have done indicates in some way that this is true maddie appeared at taylor's nashville shows like the sun predicted he stood in the cordoned off family and friends section at every show she performed he was also singing and dancing and kind of having a good time alongside her best friend Gigi hadid grainy and dark paparazzi photos and i think this is the most important bit guys also show taylor swift and maddie healy arriving back to her condo at 12 30 in the morning on top of that <laughs> this story is just insane taylor mouthed something to the audience on the show now We're not lip readers, but the consensus online is that she was mouthing the words, this is about you, you know who you are, I love you. Fans were quick to note that Maddie Healy had mouthed a near identical message at his May 3 concert in the Philippines. I am so embarrassed about this part of the story. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, When I saw this, I was like, 
As we've said on the show so many times, right? Taylor Swift does nothing by accident. If she didn't want to be seen with Maddie Healy, she would not be seen with Maddie Healy. Mm -hmm. It became quite clear very early that she wanted us to know that something with Maddie was going on or she wanted at least her name to be in a headline next to Hughes. I was like, we get it though. Like we are like we are smart enough to get it. You don't then need to do the mouthing thing. We could have just had him at multiple shows in a row in the very tight-knit family and friends section and said, hmm, in the wake of the sun piece last week, this is looking a little smoky. Did we really need them? And like, sorry, it's just a bit it's obvious. cringe. It's-, it's so cringe, especially the Maddie Healy video. He's like chugging from a bottle of wine, really seriously looking at the camera. Yeah. And like, we don't need that. No, and, I, you know, the audience needs to be reminded, you're the ultimate Swifty, and if you think it's cringe, then it must be. <laughs> Honestly, it must be. Now, I think it's bizarre for a few reasons. We're only really just learning about Taylor's six-year relationship coming to an end. That said, people move on quick. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. There is no judgment from me. But she hasn't even really directly addressed the breakup yet. On top of that, I think the general consensus is, and I don't think this is a controversial thing to say, Maddie Healy, probably not great to brand. <laughs> no, but <laughs> for brand we need to talk about who maddie healy is because he has one of the more controversial and confusing reputations in the music industry if you're not aware he is of course the front man of the 1975 he's 34 years old he's spoken publicly about having addictions to both heroin and benzodiazepines for which he sought treatment in 2017 at the request of his bandmates He says he's now off drugs, but does give fans the impression he's a really heavy drinker. It's really common for him to be chugging from a bottle of wine during performances and kind of slurring his speech and looking disoriented on stage. Yeah. All right. So that's some background on his personal journey. Let's now talk about the stuff that's probably more relevant when it comes to why he's a curious choice for her personal brand. Now, what he has said has repeatedly landed him in hot water too. In February of this year, he appeared on a podcast that made disparaging jokes at the expense of rapper Ice Spice. That particular episode also included mocking Chinese and Hawaiian accents. He also reportedly made some clunky comments about Harry Styles and queer baiting. The interview also offended people for lots of reasons and was ultimately pulled from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm. For his comments on I Spice, Mish, Maddie offered this at his recent show. I just feel a bit bad and I'm kind of a bit sorry if I've offended you. That has to be up there. With the worst celebrity apologies. Like the interview was so bad. People were rightly so pissed off, particularly the stuff about mocking accents. Like that just feels so archaic and gross. I just feel a bit bad and I'm kind of a bit sorry. (laughs) It's it's giving 13-year-old boy. How immature do you have to be for that? He sat on this for months, by the way. This came out in Feb. This apology was only given a couple of weeks ago. And after months of sitting on it, that's what he arrived at. I'm so going to use that in my own life. <laughs> I am kind of a bit sorry. The next time we fuck up, I feel a it bit will bad. happen. We feel a bit bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, on top of that, Maddie Healy was also accused of making a gesture at a show in January that resembled a Nazi salute as he made it. He said the words... Thank you, Kanye. Very cool. A lot of people accused him of blatant anti-Semitism. His defenders said it was satire that was shared out of context. It also should be noted, I think, one thing that Maddie Healy does is and has over the last, I guess, couple of years is just like randomly pulling out girls and macking on with them on stage. And boys as well. He's a boys too. Yeah, he's done 
both. It's he just maxes on with people. One. He does. I actually spoke to a music journalist just for like some background on Maddie Healy because I actually really like the 1975. I've listened to their music for a while. But truthfully, I haven't known much about Maddie Healy and I'm not like a Maddie Healy fangirl. So I spoke to a music journalist who said he could probably be characterized as a troll. Like he yeah. does a lot of stuff purely for the reaction. He constantly stirs the pot and takes the piss to get the spotlight on him and have people talking about him. And what this music journal raised with me is it's really hard to actually get to the bottom of who Maddie Healy is or understand what he even stands for himself. Because just as much as there are listicles online that outline every controversial thing Maddie Healy has done, the bizarre thing is, is there are so many listicles online that outline all of the ways he stood up for people and all of the incredible ways he's used his voice across his career. He's either this like angel that really supports causes that need him or he's doing really hurtful, damaging shit on podcasts and up on stage. It's like deeply confusing. Like... For example, he's vocally supported abortion rights, LGBTIQ rights, environmental issues. He's spoken out about gun violence. The 1975 have said they won't perform at festivals unless they have equal gender representation. I think it's all just to say it's layered and Mm. nobody really knows exactly who Maddie Healy is, I think. But in the context of him dating Taylor Swift, it's not the obvious choice for mine. It's not. It's not the obvious choice at all, particularly when you consider that Maddie Healy has had a controversy about Taylor Swift in his past (laughs) as well. It's not all funny. In a 2016 interview with Q Magazine, he touched upon rumours that he and Taylor had briefly dated in the autumn of 2014. On the rumours, he said, if I had properly gone out with Taylor Swift, the first thing I would have thought was, fucking hell, I am not being Taylor Swift's boyfriend. You know, fuck that. Then he added, that's also a man thing, a demasculinating, which is not a word, emasculating (laughs) thing. Now, this, people were outraged. People said that is so sexist to say that you can't date a powerful woman and that, I don't know, that kind of idea, almost like the Kardashian curse, that the woman's so powerful, you'll completely be swallowed up. Yeah, well, that's what um, Dak Shepard and Anna Kendrick spoke about on the podcast that I listened to last night. That idea that, like, some men struggle to date really successful, powerful women. Yes. So there was a whole bunch of outrage which then prompted the female journalist who published those quotes and did the interview with Q Magazine to come out in defense of Maddie Healy and say that he was actually kind of trying to wrangle with the internalized misogyny a lot of men deal with and trying to kind of make a comment on the culture and on gender dynamics. So she came out and said he wasn't sexist. I I might have given this quote in a way that stripped it of context with what our conversation looked like. Yeah. I really liked Maddie Healy. I thought he was really progressive, which again, who knows who the fuck Maddie Healy is? Yeah. One confusing brand. Now, if the tabloids are believed and the tabloids change their tune every day, at some point it's really serious, at some point it's not serious at all. But the point of the matter is either they're dating or they want us to think they're dating. What is your theory? I, I want, like, what is going I've on I've actually here? really battled with this story because I think I've been trying to, like, consider it a puzzle of being like, what does Taylor Swift want to communicate to me? Well, mm-hmm. not just to me, to all of us, right? <laughs> because she doesn't do anything. Subliminally reaching silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, like, sitting, I'm like the meme with the guy on the whiteboard yes. trying to work it out. 
And it's I found it deeply confusing because I think if I was to sit anywhere on it, I think I'm definitely leaning into its a PR stunt. Mm. I don't think they're sleeping together. I think they're old, good friends. It's very easy for him to go back and stay at her condo and like them not sleep in the same bed. But that still doesn't really solve the dilemma of like, why this and why (laughs) now? The only thing I could come to, and I don't know if this is like a really weak argument or if it's like the only thing that kind of works, is when I was thinking about in 2020 when she did the Miss Americana documentary, she said that quote where she said, we do exist in society where women in entertainment are discarded in an elephant graveyard at 35. Everyone is a shiny new toy for like two years. The female artists have reinvented themselves 20 times more than the male artists. They have to or else you're out of a job. And I feel like with Taylor, I feel like she's constantly trying to kind of reject the former version of herself or like the former brand that she had. The former era. Yeah, the former era. I mean, she's on the era's tour. It Mm. makes sense that she's entering a new era. I mean, I feel like the last five years she's been in this settled, very sort of adult, and I have that in inverted commas, public brand her last few albums were what lover evermore folkmore mm. midnights was like slap. folklore but yes <laughs> what did i say folkmore folklore. <laughs> Give us more. <laughs> folklore evermore um midnights was like slightly edgier but still about love like it lots was of love still songs pretty like yeah, there was a softer whole, there was a wholesomeness to her for the last five years yes and i genuinely wonder now that she's single and like 33 if she's like fuck that, I don't want to be seen as wholesome anymore. I'm going to reject that former brand. I am still layered and edgy, even though I'm approaching that kind of 35 cutoff that I spoke of a few years ago. And just because I'm single doesn't mean you need to feel sorry for me. I still have spark and shininess and Maddie Healy is a part of that. Now, I'm not saying any of us should feel sorry for anyone who is single at 33, but I can imagine given her own quotes, that's probably what she's worried about. She's probably worried about where she fits Mm. in the kind of public discourse without Joe Orwin, without the kind of wholesome brand we've known of her for the last five years. And I think I can't stop coming back to that quote and the age of 35. Like, is she just really conscious of how people consider her at 33? And she's pulling the rock star thing. And it makes sense. I think you're bang on. One thing about Taylor Swift that I keep thinking of is the Tom Hiddleston era. Yeah. The era when she danced with Tom Hiddleston at the Met Gala when she was technically with Calvin Harris left Calvin Harris and like the next day was seen kissing Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. She's written songs about kind of blurry timelines or maybe infidelity. She's written songs about chaos in romantic relationships that when a long-term relationship is ended, she does get a little chaotic and she does have, I don't know, that kind of edge to her decisions. I found it interesting to see a lot of Swifties online saying these two are just friends. They're just friends. Sorry. Why would they do the mouthing to the camera? Why would he appear at her show so specifically timed after that sun piece if this was just a friendship? I think they're probably sleeping together. I think they probably are. I don't think it's serious, but I think she wants us to know about it because it wipes off some of the gloss of her brand recently and makes her a puzzle again. We're all looking at her going, I don't know what to make of her. And I think for a pop star to be an enigma is a good thing. She hasn't been an enigma for a while. That said, I am disappointed by the choice of Maddie Healy. I've got to say, like, I, he's, he's done some real harm and he's been a real dickhead. Like, that's putting it lightly with some of the stuff he's done this year. I am a little disappointed in Mother Taylor Swift <laughs> choosing this as Molly. my dad. I don't want this guy as my dad. Can we get, like, someone else? Annabelle, what do you think? Do you think they're sleeping together or do you think it's 
purely PR. I think they're probably sleeping together. Like the chances of two single people who are pretending to date not sleeping together <laughs> like, just seems out of. I can't actually imagine them like having that really? much. Really, like, I can. Non platonic chemistry. See, this was me with Kylie Jenner and Timmy Shelley. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. On Matty Healy, though, I think some people say that his whole shtick is like performance art, like he's putting on that like I musician know. act. But can performance it's, art be just that when you're literally maybe like you're mimicking a Nazi? Song? No, I think it's a weak argument it's to weak. make. Yeah. But I think that people are saying that he's trying to make a point about the industry. But again, <laughs> wait, wait, I'm wait. not getting it. <laughs> like, what is the point? Anyway, I am so intrigued what you guys think because this story has fascinated me as much as, you know, Mish, you're like, I don't want him. I do want him from the celebrity analysis angle yes. to try and work out. Like, this is a fascinating, fascinating story to me. This is the most interesting Taylor <laughs> Swift has been to me in maybe five years. And maybe that's the whole point. Yeah, I think so. She wants us to talk about this. Taylor Swift and her publicist, Tree Payne, are experts at kind of guiding the narrative. They want this to be the narrative that we discuss in conjunction with the fact that she's re-releasing Speak Now, which yeah. was also announced this week. I am rolling my eyes a little bit at the think pieces online that I'm seeing that are saying it's sexist to only talk about who Taylor Swift might be dating. Why can't we believe that Taylor Swift is single? We can't believe that because Taylor Swift is telling us that's not the case. 1,000%. If this was just one sun piece and then the tabloids kept speculating and it didn't stop, I would understand that line of argument, right? That the tabloids are just like you know, not giving up when it comes to pairing her up with someone. She has actively wanted us to talk about this. We're talking about her speak now, as you say, is coming out. There's like, there's like a messiness to this era that she wants linked to her music. Mm. I would, I think it's remiss of us to pretend that these stories aren't linked to her music and her career and her brand. And exactly what she wants. Coming up after the break, some fairly juicy coronation drama and Ed Sheeran has won his copyright case. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Drum roll. Michelle. Daughter Swift. Oh, yeah. Andrews. Yeah. A disappointed daughter this week. Yeah, that. Oh, that would be better. Disappointed daughter, <laughs> Andrews. What do you got for me? The juiciest coronation drama has nothing to do with Meghan and Harry. That is from The Cut. Should have said it's our first story. It's our first story. Our first story. <laughs> well, King Charles is officially a king. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was already, to be honest. Wow. This uh, kind of ceremony coronation cost a reported $187 million dollars. I mean, I have to say, it looked a bit like a spoof. <laughs> you know, when you looked at the costumes and like the this thing, and I thought I was prepared for the coronation. I didn't watch it, but I thought I was prepared for sort of the, you know, videos and photos coming out of it. Because, you know, we see like the platinum jubbly and all of those kinds of things <laughs> every few years. I've G'day seen to the new listeners who have no idea what that means. Oh, well, they'll, they'll get it. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was just going to be kind of a standard royal celebration. Yeah. Little did I know it looked like cartoon almost it was it was one of those things where so much money was spent it looked a little tacky to me yeah. <laughs> like we spent a little too much there's too much gold even the crowns when they were putting yes. it on charlesy and camilla's head 
There's a lot of jewels in those things. There's like a massive ruby, probably stolen because it's the British monarchy. Yeah. But those crowns are insane. So insane, they look cheap again. I actually saw a great tweet that was like, wow, these photos did look better in black and white. Which is to say, a coronation maybe that looks like the one on the weekend does make more sense or did make more sense like 70 years yeah. ago in 2023 it's kind of like oh does this sort of work <laughs> i don't know about the aesthetics yeah, like, i just don't know anyway it happened and interesting nonetheless yeah it was interesting i really found it interesting how the royal rota that is the publications who are kind of I don't know, in the bosom of the royal yes, family? Yes, in, in the bosies. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I quite like that. Publication. Just nestled between the bosies. <laughs> Just motorboating <laughs> those bosies. Sorry, that was too far. The publications that are motorboating the royal family. Yes, we need to call the episode that now. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I found the reports out of those kind of publications, which include the Daily Mail et al. Really interesting they had such glowing coverage of Will and Kate in particular. There was one headline from the Daily Mail that I found fascinating. A couple more in love than ever. Prince William glances at Kate with a look of love and admiration <laughs> as the couple enter Westminster Abbey with their children. The headlines were more sycophantic than we've ever seen about Will and Kate. And I think looking at that, I kind of had a raised eyebrow to go, why are we so desperate to push this narrative about a couple more in love than ever? Especially based off nothing beyond one photo and one look. And it wasn't really, it was fine. It was was just looking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, it's interesting. The Waleses, which is the name given to Will, Kate and their three kids, actually missed their arrival time at the coronation, which is pretty fascinating. They were due to arrive before King Charles and Camilla, yet were nowhere to be seen. Now, royal commenter Victoria Arbiter told Channel 7, this is very curious. The Waleses are not here yet because, of course, the king and queen consort was supposed to be the last to arrive. So you have to wonder what hiccup there was perhaps at Buckingham Palace this morning. I mean, it makes sense. Like, why would anyone arrive after the King and Queen? It's weird, particularly for an event of this scale. For sure. A lot of people were saying they've got three kids. Like, yes, I appreciate that. They've probably also got 30 staff trying (laughs) to corral those three kids to be in one area at one time. I think the fact that they were so late is definitely a question that can be asked. I think as well, the commentary on social media was completely different to what we saw out of the Royal Rota. A tweet that was shared along with a photo of the Waleses had the caption, major fight in the car energy from all of them. That was liked more than 23,000 times. A tweet from the same account, which is at Burner Royalty, got 10,000 likes that read, we've been fed articles about sad Charles missing Archie and Harry wearing a non-British designer Dior because we're not allowed to talk about a visibly angry William and Kate arriving late and disrupting the choreography of the entrance. Look, I don't know if I can buy as easily the idea that they were like, visibly annoyed because I don't know if I felt that they were visibly annoyed I didn't feel it was obvious I also feel like if they were angry they'd be smart enough to hide that like if they were actually angry they would know that there are millions of people watching them Mm. you just hide it you'd be a really good actor (laughs) that said I do have to agree with you it is kind of weird that they arrived after the king like I don't think there's any denying that and I think with all of that in mind people were speculating that maybe they were late or maybe they were annoyed in inverted commas because it could 
could have something to do with the fact that there were two people involved with the coronation that could have created some tension between yes. Will and Kate. Yes, and to be clear, this is one of my favourite celebrity stories that has simmered away since we've done Shameless. The two people who have potentially created some tension between Will and Kate are named Rose Hanbury and her husband. Now, he is the Marquess of Chumley, a man named David Rock Savage. He was actually the king's lord-in-waiting for the coronation, and he's pretty high up in British society. He is essentially one level below a duke. Yes, exactly, and had a key role during this coronation. Now, why is that strange? Why are people <laughs> looking at that? Well, here's a refresher. For a time, Rose Hanbury apparently was best friends with Will and Kate, particularly Kate. Now, that is reportedly, apparently, until rumours of a rift did the rounds in 2019 that implied Kate had phased out Rose for unknown reasons. Yeah, those rumours appeared in The Sun originally and they specifically said Kate had instructed Will that he too needed to phase out Rose. Now, this kind of did the rounds and then two days later, an emphatic rebuttal appeared in the Daily Mail and it opened literally with this line. Prince William bears all the hallmarks of a contented man. At 36, he carries none of the emotional baggage that plagued the life of his father, the Prince of Wales, for so many years. I don't think I'm alone when I interpret that opening paragraph from the Daily Mail to read, Prince William is nothing like his father, the man who, apart from being a royal, is most commonly known for his extramarital affairs. <laughs> Completely. It wasn't at all subtle, that Daily Mail piece. And it kind of gave the vibes of like the Daily Mail doth protest too much, right? It's like if we're being this unsubtle about it, does it actually make it true? And then suddenly everyone started to sniff a rat. American celebrity blogger Lainey Gossip wrote at the time that rumours of an affair between Will and Rose have been simmering, only that no one wanted to name them out loud. And then someone did name it out loud, right? <laughs> yes. British reporter Giles Corrin famously tweeted, everyone knows about the affair, darling. <laughs> Which he then, like, deleted. He really quickly deleted it. But by that point, everyone had taken a screenshot and run with it. Yeah, exactly. Now, you'd probably think listening to this that there would have been an explosion right then and there, but that absolutely did not happen. As you said, Miss Giles deleted his tweet. No UK publication reported on it. It was like there was this blanket internal rule that no one mentioned it. Mm. US publications, though, where the press game is very different, didn't feel like they needed to abide by that. No, there was a media blackout on this in the UK. And yet outside of the UK, particularly America, as you said, Zara, people could not stop talking about it. So this was four years ago. Fast forward until the weekend people were very, very keen to watch what was going to happen at the coronation where Rose, Kate and Will were in the same room for the first time in a long time. Well, yeah, and David. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> about David rocks that. Don't forget about David. Yeah, now it was a bit of an anticlimax. According to reports, Rose stayed a bit of a way away from Kate and Will all day. Kate and Will obviously had pretty big roles, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that they're just like not that close to each other. But people looked at this and said, well, if we didn't get the drama that we wanted with them in the same room, <laughs> is this why they were late? Or is this why there was tension? Or would this have anything to do with it? What do you think? My brain says no, but my gossip-hungry heart says yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a perfect summation. Like, so obviously not, but why not convince ourselves yes? You know? I do think regardless, interesting decision from the palace to really 
include Rose and David in a really obvious way Mm. like really interesting decision they're clearly still probably conscious of this story and wanting to keep these two close and also communicate to the world that no bad blood here they too are in the bosom yes (laughs) second story chris brown arguing with usher in new video amid reports of vegas fight that is from tmz Well, Chris Brown is back in the headlines and not for a good reason, that is for sure. For those who missed it over the weekend, Chris Brown spent his 34th birthday out with friends at the Skate Rock City Roller Rink in Vegas. An interesting choice for his birthday. TMZ broke the news over the weekend saying Chris Brown and Usher got into a fight that left Usher with a bloodied nose and said they had video footage of the two arguing before they got into the physical altercation. Yeah, now here's the passage from the TMZ piece. While Usher and Co sang to Chris earlier in the evening when everything was fine, things unfortunately got ugly in the wee hours of the morning when eyewitnesses tell us Chris was attempting to talk to singer Tiana Taylor who was also in attendance and sitting on a bench just outside the rink. We're told, for whatever reason, Tiana was ignoring him. Our sources tell us that pissed Chris off and he started to yell at her. And that's when Usher intervened and tried to calm him down. You can see that in our video here. Mm. Now, I do have to be honest... I do think TMZ might be slightly overstating the strength of its own footage. Not TMZ, exaggerating. I watched this footage lots of times and I was like, (laughs) I can't work it out. That said, they went on. We're told Chris wasn't having it, cursing at Usher and Tiana, but then mostly focusing his anger directly at Usher. Eventually, our sources say Chris told his crew they were leaving and they exited the facility. We're told Usher took off... Sorry. We're told Usher took off his skates and went after him. Sorry, it's just quite a serious story, but I did find... I also hate Chris Brown. That that line really actually got me. Took off his skates and went after him. They say that they met behind some buses outside and that's when allegedly Usher left with a bloodied nose. Yeah, the next day Chris Brown was performing at the Lovers and Friends Festival where TMZ reported he got into another altercation backstage. They wrote in their piece new footage circulating online appears to show Chris aggressively trying to reach somebody across from him in what looks to be the backstage area of the venue. Per several blog accounts, this was purportedly taken during Missy Elliott's set Saturday night in Vegas. He continually proves himself to be a certain kind of guy. It's kind of like that thing when it's like when someone shows you continuously who they say they are or who they seemingly are mm. why why do we keep forgetting or i don't know if people are forgetting but it seems like he's um he's still doing fine despite all of these stories in his mm. wake our third story andrew garfield daisy edgar jones to star in carl sagan biopic that is from the hollywood reporter i will always think that biopic should be pronounced biopic i kind of just want to revolt and say biopic anyway it just sounds better biopic biopic sounds so <laughs> wrong anyway this is a really short one guys because all we wanted to talk about was the fact Andrew Garfield and Daisy Edgar Jones have signed on to star in a film called Voyages, which, as you say, is a biopic <laughs> about the real-life love story of a celebrated astronomer called Carl Sagan and his partner, an Emmy-winning documentary filmmaker, Anne Druin. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because surely this is when these two start dating. Was this the prediction we made? I remember we, we kind did. of mapped out some little we love triangles. We got a bit triangles. confused because we have, 
We have been quite passionate about Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskel dating. I am still passionate about that. I think I'm actually more passionate about this. (gasps) I I think mainly because I think there is more chance of Daisy Edgar Jones and Andrew Garfield dating than Paul (laughs) Meskel. Like it's it's easier for people who aren't as close friends to start dating. It's cleaner. Two best friends starting to date is messy, messy. I just really wanted Andrew Garfield to end up with chicken shop dates Amelia de Moldenberg. Sorry, I'm confusing us. Yeah, we definitely didn't say that he and Daisy, we had them in the same love map but we had them with different people well all i'll say is i think that they could be the next big couple that i love <laughs> so it's, a, it's an oracle prediction that you think andrew garfield and daisy edgar jones will yes this up. isn't i consider this an oracle prediction now i do have to say the two have worked together before on a mini series called under the banner of heaven they did not however play love interests and if my math serves me correctly andrew garfield was with his ex during filming it seems to me they're both single at the moment it seems to me they're about to play our love interests you tell me that chemistry isn't going to kind of carry over off screen no it seems to me that you're on the money yeah i'm, I'm kind <laughs> of excited but kind of sad about it. yeah fair enough our fourth story ed sheeran cleared of infringing copyright in marvin gay lawsuit that is from the guardian guys it has been found that ed sheeran did not copy marvin gay's let's get it on for his song thinking out loud as ruled by an American court last week. What a story. I have been so fascinated by these copyright cases brought against Ed Sheeran, particularly in the last couple of years. Now, for a bit of background, the case was brought against Ed Sheeran in 2016 by a guy named Ed Townsend. Now, Ed Townsend co-wrote that Marvin Gaye song. Townsend alleged that Ed Sheeran and his co-writer, Amy Wadge, copied the rhythm of the 1973 song as well as an ascending four-chord sequence. And that four-chord sequence has been really important in this case. Ed Sheeran, of course, denied these claims, said, I did not copy the song, I did not copy you. It is very standard practice in songwriting. Should we put in a clip of each, a very short clip of each? The first one will be Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud. The second clip you'll hear is Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Here's what the lawsuit was all about. And I will be loving you till we're 70. Let's get it on. Similar, but How many songs exist in the world and how few chords do musicians have to work with? Well, that's exactly right. In an interview with CBS before the court made its ruling, Ed Sheeran did explain there are like four chords that get used in pop songs. And if you just think mathematically, the likelihood of this song having the same chords as this song, there are multiple, multiple, multiple songs. It is all the same four chords. He also noted again, and he has done this before, that there are something like 60,000 songs released every single day. There is a chance that songs are going to have the similar kinds of ascending four chords. Mm. Now, this case is generally regarded as a massive win for creatives who argue cases like this are detrimental to the craft of songwriting. I mean, Ed Sheeran has been spearheading this. It's not the first case of copyright that he's had to fight. You guys might remember we spoke about the Shape of You case last year. He also threatened to quit the industry if he lost this case as well. That's how much it meant to him. According to The Guardian, after the verdict had been delivered, Sheeran hugged his lawyer. His wife, Cherry Seaborn and co-writer Amy Wudge were reportedly in tears. Of course you included that. You what? love if there's anything Zara McDonald loves, it's Ed Sheeran and Chelsea, what's her name? Cherry Cherry Seaborn. Se- I just said her name. <laughs> Who's Chelsea? I literally said her name. Cherry Second. You adore 
Ed and Cherry. I love Cherry Seaborn. <laughs> if they broke up, is this the one parasocial relationship no. you have where if they broke up, you'd be really heartbroken? I'd be shocked. I, I would be shocked. This was me and Taylor and Joe. Joe. Yeah, I have to say, though, I had I spent a lot of time on, sorry, this is not at all related, spent a lot of time on TikTok over the weekend apparently <laughs> You've I You've got time. I've got time. <laughs> and my whole feed was Tom Holland and Zendaya at the basketball. Same, yes. actually. And they, he was, like, stroking her stroking arm. arm. They're constantly holding hands. Have you guys seen the TikTok where they're, like, creatively holding hands yes. in obscure positions? Yes. They're very in love. It's very cute. I did think to myself, I think I'd be most rattled about that split of anyone. I think they will as well. I know, and I don't think that Ed and Cherry will. I think they're fine. So that's probably <laughs> why so I'm not worried. Rare, though. I feel like we've got Hugh Jackman and Deborah Lee Furness, and there are and maybe Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban. There are very few celebrity couples that actually last. But the Cherry, long run. Cherry's not a celebrity. Yes. They've known each other since they were kids, which I think can help a little bit. And it's also one of the reasons we you love it. Yes, and Cherry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just very clear, not Chelsea. <laughs> Zendaya and Tom. That said, I do feel that Tom has a bit of normie to him. Yes. Yeah, he does. And I also love how he and Zendaya. I've become a bit of a stan for them this year. They just head out on the town. Makeup free, looking cash. They don't really care. They feel very disconnected from the celebrity sort of black hole a little bit. And I would say, so Tom has a bit of normie in him. And I do think there's a certain brand of celebrity that has a bit of normie in them. I would say, of course, Ed Sheeran, bit of normie. And the other one that might sound controversial, but I do believe to be true, Dua Lipa has a bit of normie to her. The celebrities that are A-list but feel more accessible than the others. Our favourite is when a celebrity still has the same friendship group from childhood. (laughs) That, That is the hallmark of a celeb that we love. If they constantly have like only famous friends or new friends on the scene, red flag i'd say that for anyone not even just celebrities i'd love to hear who what celebrities people think have a bit of normie to them i actually feel like i have a whole mental list that's not coming to me today so i'll bring it to you next carly week Kloss, do you think carly Kloss does? no i don't oh, good oh, yeah. is that a- <laughs> <laughs> our fifth story sure is single again that is from <laughs> yahoo Sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, it's not our strongest story. It's not, but you fought for it, so we're going to do it. it. I I think I've always said Cher, but Cher. I don't know. Um, look, Cher is reportedly single again. I am wondering <laughs> how much we care about this story, but we're going to talk about it anyway. A source told TMZ on Monday that the 76-year-old singer and her 37-year-old rapper partner, Alexander A.E. Edwards, have broken up. Now, Mish, for a time there, we thought they were engaged. Yes, they did. <laughs> we're carrying this and we're sticking with it. They did spark engagement rumours in December last year because Cher tweeted a photo of a massive engagement ring and then in the text wrote in all caps, there are no words, Alexander A.E. Now, obviously, media publications around the world started writing that Cher was engaged to her younger boyfriend. Yes, and many of her followers sent her congratulations. (laughs) And she came back and said, what? No. (laughs) Why would you say this? We're not engaged. I posted this because his nails look so cool. (laughs) Uh, Like his nails, you can kind of see them around the the ring box. box. The ring, I've got to tell you guys, it's at least the size of an almond, like a big almond. Oh, it's it's mammoth. It's so big. And it's an engage. It's a diamond. It's 1000% an engagement ring. But unfortunately, they weren't actually engaged. It was just his... (laughs) 
nails. <laughs> anyway, at the time, E reported that it was just a beautiful gift, totally neutral, and that they weren't engaged. And, well, now they're not even together again. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the only reason Michelle wanted to talk about this or the fact that Cher is single again is because we never spoke about that ring story. <laughs> And we wanted to mention I it on really the show. I liked it last year. We never did I, it on the show. I had seen it too late. And then I was like, rats, I really want to talk rats. rats. So here we rats are almost not six used months enough. later. Yeah, here we are almost six months later. And you bet we will find a relevant headline to talk about old stories we missed. And we'll use rats and bosom <laughs> again next week. Bozies. <laughs> I think I'd prefer. <laughs> Got to squeeze one in before the end. It sounded quite aggressive. All right, team, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for listening. You know where to find us. We are on Instagram at (laughs) Shameless Podcast, TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No, no, no. No, no, no. Love you guys. Back in your ears on Monday. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.